Welcome back to another episode of Hustle Like You Broke. Matthew Walt here with my co-hosts, the amazing Christine Dallas. How are you today, Dallas? I am well, thank you, Matt. Looking forward to it. Excellent. And to the champagne and caviar of the audio industry, Chris and Kyle. Gentlemen, how are you? Balance as always. I'm here. I'm here. Chris, I have noticed over the first couple weeks, few weeks of, of our podcast that your mood has has had a bit of a dip. There's a little bit of a resistance. Are you uh is is the homeschooling uh going okay? It's getting more challenging by the day. <laughs> I think we can all relate to Are that. Are you smarter than a fourth grader? <laughs> <laughs> Am I smarter than a first grader today? My daughter's in first oh, grade. Wow. <laughs> My son is in fourth, and, and thank God for the Google, because uh, I definitely find there are times he asks me questions that one would think an educated person should know. And of course, because I don't want to sound stupid in front of a fourth grader, I very quickly find out what the Google can tell me and uh, try and talk smart that way. <laughs> smart man. Well. There it is. It is what it is. Take advantage of the available technology. Uh, I do want to say briefly that uh, before we get started, we are introducing an amazing guest today, and I'm excited for that. But I do want to say before we all jumped on that there was uh, some discussion among us about what's happening with uh, small business loans. And uh, to any of our associates out there that have not applied, that are independent contractors, that have a sole member LLC, Um, and is eligible. I hope you are taking the time to fill out those applications. Uh, The second package was not as big as the first, and we saw how quickly the money in the first package dried up. And uh, it's nice to see some of those larger companies uh, that received money have given theirs back, but it won't, won't be around for long. So if you're eligible, I hope you've applied. If you haven't, please do that soon. And uh, without further ado, uh, I'm excited to announce our next guest. Adam Gardner is someone I've worked with in one form or another for over a decade. Uh, We started working together on the Campus Consciousness Tours, a division of his Reverb organization 10 years ago. This year, actually, it was in 2010, we did our first tour. I talked about that in a previous podcast. So I'm excited to have him on board. Adam has been a touring musician for almost 30 years. He is in a great band called Guster, formed on the Tufts University campus here in the Northeast. It's nice for me to have another New Englander when I'm talking to these Miami and LA folks and they're bragging about their warm weather and their sunny days and it's been a little Oh, rainy. you didn't realize here it's 40, 98, to get, 98 degrees in California today. Well, that is nice for you. But Adam, like me, is in the Northeast. Adam is in the Portland, Maine area, last I recall. As I was saying, he's been in a touring band, Guster, for almost 30 years. Um, I've worked with that band, booking shows at colleges uh, years back. Um, In 2009, I approached him about working together on campus consciousness. We did some great, great tours together. Um, His organization, Reverb, 501c3 nonprofit, does some incredible work. 
Um, I always said that the motto is effectively greening one tour at a time, but I do see on their website now, reverb.org, it says, band together, uniting around the music we love, tackling the issues we we face. I, I think that's a fantastic motto. Welcome, Adam. Thank you for being with us. Thanks, Matt. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Doing great. Uh, glad to have you here. And, uh, you know, we've told you a little bit about what we're doing, our focus on the working class heroes in the business. Certainly, I know you can speak to that in terms of your engagement, working on tour, both from an artist perspective, as well as from a reverb perspective. We've also talked about the importance of introducing new ideas and using this kind of break this coronation, as Kyle likes to say, um, to kind of introduce new ideas for how we could be doing better business as the music industry picks up again, the touring industry picks up again, hopefully soon. Uh, I'm certainly curious your thoughts on that. But first, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us some things that I haven't said that perhaps I don't know about you, about your band, about Reverb, please. Yeah. Um, you know, so as you mentioned, I've been playing, I play guitar and sing in Guster and been on the road for, yeah, almost 30 years, which is crazy. I love that you mentioned our starts in college when yeah, I'm, a, I'm 46 years old. I'm an old man now, <laughs> but I love it because we've known each other so long. Uh, you still probably see me as a college post-collegiate guy, which is awesome. I love that you think that. Um, nope. I'm, you know, I got gray hair and my beard, the whole deal, but I, uh, you know, in addition to touring with Guster 15 years ago, um, my wife, Lauren Sullivan, and I started Reverb because it just became clear as we were out on the road. At that time, we were opening up for bands like Dave Matthews Band and uh, Maroon 5 and, and artists like that. And I think all at the same time, we were feeling this, I don't know if it was full on shame, but definitely felt like it was a shame that our touring business had such a negative impact on the environment with the all the plastic on the ground at the end of the show, uh, you know, the lights come on. You're like, Oh Jesus, look at all that on the ground. It's terrible. Um, to, you know, rolling around on a, on a bio, you know, well now biodiesel fueled tour bus. Then it was just a diesel bus that would, you know, get 10 miles to the gallon and we were rolling all over the country and the generator never shuts off. We were just not feeling great about what live music was doing to the planet. Um, and, I think I came back from tour one too many times complaining to my wife, my then girlfriend that I was living with now wife who was working in the environmental space. She's always been the environmentalist as I've always been the musician um, and really bringing our two worlds together. I think she was saying, well, why aren't you guys doing anything about it? You're just shrugging your shoulders at each other. And I told her honestly, I said, well, cause everyone on the road has a job and they're busy and their plates are full. So to, you know, even if they knew what to do, which they don't, um, there's no, nobody has the ability to do it because everyone's got a job out there and they're, you know, they're busy. So Reverb was really started in 2004 to, to answer that question from my perspective on the touring side and from her perspective on the environmental side, she was feeling like the environmental movement at that time was very um, circular where everyone was patting each other on the backs or all nodding their heads at each other and not talking outside their circle. Um, that was before you know, it was before green was anything more than a color, right? The, the, that concept of, of green or a carbon footprint, none of that was happening in 2004. Inconvenient Truth came out three years later. Um, so this is a new concept, but 
so for us, it was kind of two, twofold. How do we help bands be more sustainable on tour and keep their footprint environmentally down on the road? And then f- the other half of it, which is actually even bigger impact wise, is how do we engage all the fans of these musicians um, to take action with important environmental causes and organizations? Um, so in the beginning, a lot of what we were doing was almost acting as an agent to these other uh, larger nonprofit environmental organizations and just plugging all their fans in. One of the first tours we did was Alanis Morissette and Bare Naked Ladies did a co-headlining tour in 2004. And that was kind of our pilot. Uh, and it went incredibly well. And we were able to turn on a bunch of fans to all these incredible organizations, both in their hometowns and nationally. Um, so now, you know, 15 plus years later, we've done this on over 250 tours, uh, over 5,000 concert events, festivals. We've partnered with venues, um, pretty much everything we can do in the music space and using the and harnessing the power of music, not just because it's it has a large reach, um, but because there's just a unique connection between musicians and their fans that I really feel like is unlike almost any other public figure. Um, where there's such an emotional connection and a personal connection because they're, you know, the artist is singing lyrics that they've written. And, you know, these, some, you know, even a band like Guster, which isn't on the level of a lot of the artists we've worked with, um, people are tattooing our lyrics on their bodies. It means something to them. So if, if you're walking your talk as a musician on tour and you're doing it in a way that's not preachy or holier than thou at all, and just as an enthusiast, it's, we found that to be really powerful and a really cool way to have the tour being a working, living, breathing example of how you can be sustainable <clears throat> and asking fans to come and join them. So whether that's something as simple as, hey, we're eliminating single-use plastic backstage, we're using all reusable bottles, and we're, not, we're getting rid of all those single-use plastic water bottles because you know the average rider has cases and cases of this um, on their tour – that alone eliminates single use water bottles backstage. And then you ask your fans to do the same and, 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 and setting up reverb will set up the means to do so. The infrastructure, free, free water refill stations, uh, is something we do as part of our rock and refill program, for example. And then we partnered with Nalgene, um, to provide custom tour artwork, Nalgene bottles that fans can make a donation toward. And those donations can either support our nonprofit work or other environmental organizations work. Um, while they're eliminating tens of thousands of single-use water bottles every tour. In fact, we've eliminated 3 million single-use water bottles at concerts alone. Uh, Never mind all the residual bottles that are eliminated by people continuing, hopefully, using those bottles at home. That's just one of a million examples of, of the different areas of environmentalism that we support and campaigns that we put out there. So that's just that's our rock and refill campaign. We do this for climate change. We do this for... Uh, indigenous rights. We do this for rainforest protection. We do it on a lot of different fronts. What would you say is the most challenging, Adam, in terms of like in the concert environment, um, like in terms of trying to get that, let's say, water bottle across that message? I mean, the challenge is um, just the sheer numbers of people. Of course, that's not a challenge now. But uh, when, you know, a lot of the tours that we tend to um, work with are the large are playing the larger either arenas or or amphitheaters. So we're talking about fifteen to twenty five thousand people, and how do we reach as many of them as possible? Um, something I failed to mention is when we're doing tours like that. So some of the tours are like Pink and um, 
we were just on tour with Billy. So when when this whole shelter in place order came in, we were in the middle of six tours. We were on tour with Billy Eilish, the Lumineers, um, the 1975, Tame Impala, Sturgill Simpson, and my own band Guster. Um, and each of those tours, we actually have a, one of our own road staffers. As I was mentioning, you know, the problem that we found the disconnect between artists' intentions and their actions was that they just didn't have the bandwidth or capacity or knowledge to to handle it on the road. Their their teams didn't. Um, so we actually have road folks that go on tour and are folded into the crew just like anybody else, as if they're a sound engineer, a guitar tech. Um, rolling with the crew, but their sole job is to make the tour itself as sustainable as possible and set up what we call a fan facing action village or eco village, depending on, on exactly what the causes are, um, to engage all the fans. So it's again, that dual pronged approach of greening the tour itself, minimizing its environmental impacts while also handling, uh, a full on engagement village at every concert. Uh, and bringing in volunteers and partners and all that. So the challenge is, is how do we get, you know, we get a good percentage of people that way. And we do, you know, we're lucky in that we can, we have now a network of volunteers, 4,000 uh, every year across the country that come out to concerts to engage their fellow fans in these actions at, at the village. Um, but the challenge is, is how do you, you know, we're not getting 20,000, we're not, we're not reaching hundred percent participation rates because we're not reaching that many people um, just through the sheer nature of, Often concerts, people want to file through and just get to their seats. So we have a we have a very short interaction time to engage folks. So we've gotten very good at very quick messaging, um, and we have a whole team here in Portland, Maine, um, that handles all the logistics. So much of it is logistics, and that's that's the kind of help that we provide a tour that's looking to be more green. So, Adam, are there any artists? I'm curious. Are there any artists in particular that really embrace the cause and really take it to another level? And and is there anything they've done that could serve as a model to other artists that are are so inclined? Yeah, I mean, we've been very lucky in that there's there's actually a, a, quite a few artists now that are are really taking this um, very seriously. And for, Jack Johnson comes to mind because he's one of the first that we've worked with, and one of the one of the first to really go as deep as possible and take, I think he tours, I think 50% of the reason why he tours is, is to put out all this environmental, um, messaging and calls to action. Um, and he obviously wants to make sure his, his footprint is small. So definitely you can go to reverb.org. You can see a number of case studies, but Jack Johnson, Dave Matthews band, um, are two that, that we've been working with the longest. They're some of the first bands we've worked with. Um, and it, yes, it goes very deep. We look at every every point to it, whether we're looking at merchandise, we're looking at uh, solid waste, we're looking at energy use, we're looking at ways that we can engage the fans to participate. Um, but what's been really refreshing this the beginning of this year and the end of last year is a, a number of younger and, and newer artists wanting to get involved and not dipping a toe. Going, they're just going full in, and Billie Eilish is definitely one of them. Um, as is Tame Impala in the 1975. So we've been really excited. The Lumineers too, frankly. We've been really excited to see, um, you know, we show them the examples and the and the results of our work with some of these artists that I mentioned before. And it's it's I think the younger generation is really understanding how important it is, you know, to protect the environment and that it is an existential crisis, especially when we're talking about climate change. 
So, with the, okay, so question. So with the eco villages that you um, provide for the venues, are they typically in in the, the main entrance areas, or are they in the um, the backstage in, in VIP and only who are they? Who are they pretty much? Um, Target, who are you targeting is it for everyone or is it just yeah the- for everyone mm-hmm. we're, we we ch- you know we we set up generally right in the concourse um and you know that's what we work with the tour works with the venues and promoters to make sure we've got prime placement so you know when fans are coming through the turnstiles they see our volunteers and they see our village and they see the setup the artist messages ahead of time letting people know we incentivize them too so they can win ticket upgrades they can win signed you know merch or guitars we've partnered with martin guitars and uh, a number of other uh folks to provide cool stuff that you know incentivizes fans and gets their attention um to take action so aside from the reusable um water bottles and things of that nature how does your company help the evolving the involvement of being eco-friendly world within the uh concert production so, I mean, we look at a lot of different things. Um, there's really no silver bullet. We look at every piece that we can, and we're, we we pride ourselves on being fairly flexible. So some tours will be like, we want to do everything. Other tours are like, well, we can do this, this, and this. That part seems hard. So I mentioned biodiesel. Um, that's another one we've been doing. We've, we've helped um, fuel over, I think we're close to a million gallons now of biodiesel, which is can be run in diesel engines. It's just instead of it all being from petroleum, it's from either used vegetable oil um, that is then converted into biodiesel um, or um, other vegetable oil like derived as a co-product of soy. Um, So we've done that and, you know, we make sure that there, you know, there are biodiesel is not all created equal. So we, we have a network of sustainable biodiesel, um, suppliers. Um, I've kind of joked that you kind of need to know your biodiesel suppliers the same way you need to know your drug dealers. You just, you know, not, a, not, a, not everyone's dealing the same stuff. So you need okay. to make sure you have the good stuff. Um, <laughs> and, and I, Adam, I was actually going to ask you about the biodiesel as well, because that seems like a pretty obvious way that artists can be helping improve their own footprint. And, and it sounds like what you're saying is they need to be in contact with a company such as yours, that the bus companies aren't doing this themselves do they are there certain companies that offer this intentionally specifically that specialize in this sort of thing how, how do artists find out about that yeah i mean well we we offer it as one of the things we can do it now i mentioned that's an interesting example that i that i said first i only said it because i mentioned it before that's actually one of the harder ones um because it requires a lot of logistics you, you know you, we wet hose at the venues so we're, we're, you have your drivers you know if you have 11 buses or whatever it is we t- generally tend to do it with the larger tours um we have to organize that ahead of time all right you, they have to come into the venue that morning knowing how many gallons they need each um so we can then tell the supplier to come out and wet hose at the venues so when it works well it's incredible because then the drivers don't even need to stop at a flying J or anything, they can just roll right to the venue. We fuel them up and then they can go to bed. Um, but it does require logistics. So we're not keeping drivers awake while they're trying to get, you know, back to their hotel rooms to sleep during the day. As, Cause as we all know, they're nocturnal. They, they drive at night. Um, so it's, it's a, that one's a challenging one, but we do do it. Um, other ones that are really, especially when we're talking about climate crisis, we have a whole campaign that we launched um, last year 
and that we're accelerating this year called Unchange It, and it, we're billing it as Music's Climate Campaign. And the idea here is all aspects of the music community can can be involved in this, whether you're a fan or a venue or a studio or a music office or an agency or a tour. Um, on tour, and this is something we've been doing from the very beginning, is we can calculate the carbon footprint of the tour. Now, you know, for those who aren't familiar with what the carbon footprint is, the things we look at are our emissions from all the buses and trucks, any flights, um, hotel room stays, you know, especially these larger tours where they're getting large blocks of hotel rooms every night. We look at the power used and consumed there, um, the venue energy used there. Um, and, and then we've even started looking at fan travel, which is honestly the largest piece of the pie when it comes to a carbon footprint of a concert. Um, so as part of this Unchange It campaign, one of the three things that we're doing is building and funding carbon fighting projects such as wind farms, solar farms, grassland management, reforestation, um, all that can specifically and quantifiably reduce either pull carbon out of the air or stop um, energy that would dirty power, for example, from going into the air, like from coal. So we're either preventing or actually absorbing um, greenhouse gas emissions from greenhouse gases from the air. That's obviously that's what causes climate change, right? So that's been really successful already. Um, but now we're really, you know, back to the banding together, we're really putting that out there as a full campaign. That's actually one of the things we're doing during these quarantine times um, is, is really developing that campaign page on our site. So all aspects of the music industry um, can participate, especially as, you know, we're all entering a major reset. Um, you know, this, as I think, I'm hoping that all aspects of the music community are reevaluating how we're doing things. I think, you know, this sheltered home um, has really shined light on some imperfections of the touring world, right? There are a lot of road folks sitting at home right now with no healthcare and no income. Um, and I can't help but think that that's, you know, we're gonna have to change our systems here. Um, and that's something that Reverb has been working on doing for 15 years anyway. So hoping that folks think about and make the connection between the epidemic we're facing now, the pandemic we're facing now, and the climate crisis that we are also facing now. Uh, you just have, you know, we just had the head of the UN say, actually, our, a, an even um, more severe threat than COVID-19 right now is the climate crisis. Now, that's the head of the UN saying that. Um, so it's, I hope that people can see how serious things are and how if we take serious steps, we can have success. And so I'm hoping that as we all are, that with everything that we're doing by, by staying at home and, and doing these extreme measures and taking a hit financially and economically um, with this, that we can solve, if we can save lives. And, and we're going to have to do the exact same thing, and we should be doing the exact same thing now with the climate crisis. Hey, Adam, uh, I had a question. Um, you mentioned uh, venues and, you know, going into venues and, 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 having your station set up. I was curious, like, do you have any pushback from organizations that are about plastic, you know, that are about, you know, paper tickets, you know, that, that, that basically rely on these other things. Do you get a lot of pushback from other companies that, that you're going against? 
No, it's been, you know, and our approach has always been work with, <clears throat> I think at this point, you know, if you're talking about, for example, Live Nation or AG, they already have sustainability um, leaders in their organization that we work closely with. Um, you know, it is interesting, you know, for example, the water stations where we're actually setting up a free alternative and high profile, we're branding it, you know, so we were out there with Billie Eilish, like it's her image and, um, you know, it's all branded with her. This is a Billie Eilish water station in partnership with Reverb and we have Billie Eilish water, uh, you know, uh, reusable water bottles that we're also um, distributing. You would think we would get massive. We were worried about that. We're going to get massive pushback from concessions here. They're not going to be happy. But it turns out the venue, uh, first of all, the venues recognize that this is a great thing for for their customers because it, that's that's a big piece of customer satisfaction for them. Um, and concessionaires have found that, hey, if they're saving money on water, they're spending it on, on nachos or beer or something else. Um, so no, we haven't gotten pushback. And when it comes to to products and switching them out. And, you know, a lot of what we do also is through our hospitality riders and also some of our ride. Like, so for example, with that Jack Johnson, um, example, we'll go in advance. They will, we're involved at the booking level where they won't book a venue until there is, until they've talked to us and they've agreed to all the environmental requirements ahead of time. In fact, they've even, um, basically gone to a number of venues in the same market and have said, is, is, you know, we're going to take into consideration how far down these requirements, we have requirements that you must fulfill, otherwise we're not even going to book the show. And then there's also some requests and we're going to take into consideration which venue we go with based on how many of the requests you're able to fulfill and commit to now, um, which, you know, that speaks volumes. That's how you get systemic change to happen when you have the top grossing artists saying, we're not, we're not even going to consider playing your venues until you say yes to X, Y, Z. So is that sparking a change like across the board with more artists jumping on board? Are more venues looking at, you know, installing water stations and things that, you know, in, you know, encourage people to bring in reusable bottles? And what about the festival side? I mean, I, that's kind of, I don't know what the challenge is with that. Do you bring in a, uh, a truck that, that allows people to fill in, you know, fill up their water bottles? I mean, I'm just curious about the challenges between a venue versus like a festival as well. Yeah. Um, so to answer your first question, yes, venues are starting to, you know, it, it's almost functioned on these tours as uh, almost a pilot program for the venues and promoters that care about these issues um, and know that their fan bases care about, you know, their clientele care about these issues, their artists that they work with and <clears throat> the concert goers themselves. Um, so yeah, we are starting to see venues putting in their own, water stations are asking us to be there more permanently. So we do actually have some season long venue partnerships where we actually have our water stations and our rock and refill program in place. Um, you know, I know Matt Wald is in the Boston area. We have this, we've been doing this for a number of years with, um, the Xfinity center in Mansfield where we have that program set up. And, you know, one of the nice pieces of that is we also have a little give back to the community, where a portion of the proceeds from those Nalgene bottles um, are donated to the local food shelter there in, in Mansfield. So it's a nice little thing where it's like, hey, you're cutting down on plastic waste, you're getting free water all day, and you're actually feeding hungry people in your own community. I love that. I love the way you mentioned Jack too, because I was fortunate enough to be out on tour with him in uh, 2008. 
And I remember even the kitchen, like, cause they, he carries tour catering then. And, um, even the kitchen was composting their waste because he's so green and he, you know, cares so much about everything, not just, you know, and he lives it, which is really nice, a nice change versus some of them. Um, do you find Adam that some of the artists, um, are they coming to you or are you soliciting them? And in that, do they resist because they find um, expense to be an issue of any sort? It goes both ways. I mean, we've been very fortunate at this point that folks know about us. You know, it's, as you know, the music community is pretty, pretty tight knit and pretty, pretty, pretty um, small <laughs> when it comes down to it. Um, so the word is spread about reverb internally for sure among artists and, and managers um, so a number have come to us, um, and sometimes we'll go to them if we know that they'll be open to it. Um, you know, something that we are trying to do more and more of is work within other genres. Um, and something that, you know, M- Matt and I worked with, with Campus Conscious Tour was that, we, you know, we were very lucky in that we were able to work with artists like Drake and Wiz Khalifa and J. Cole. Um, I would love to continue to work with them beyond those college tours, um, but I would love to see more in hip hop. We'd love to see more in country. Um, we finally cracked into pop where we are working with Maroon 5 and Harry Styles and Sean Mendez and Pink and Billie Eilish. That's new. Um, so we're psyched about that. But obviously for us, we want to reach as many folks in as many, in as many areas as possible. Um, so it depends, you know, uh, we don't want to just work with folks that want to work with us. I think it's nice for us to also let people who maybe not be thinking about these things know about us and know that it's not hard. I, you know, our whole approach has been because I am a touring musician has been, Hey, you know, if you say yes to this, it's plug and play, like give us a bunk space and, and a couple little things like room on a truck for our road cases and we're good to go. Um, so we've tried to make it as easy as possible for tours to say yes. And then obviously we want to, slowly move them hopefully down um the you know there's a spectrum of 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 environmentalism and we understand for us our attitude is not you know you have to be all or nothing because if you give people that choice of all or nothing 99 percent of them are going to choose nothing um so for us we find it way more effective to say hey there is a spectrum here do what you can but as an artist, there even something as simple as eliminating single-use plastic water bottles backstage and encouraging your fans in front of the house has a real impact. Um, and that's not a big deal, but it has real impact. And so that I think that, you know, that's been our approach. Is So we make it very easy. Hey, we work with you. We're not the police. We're here to help. Um, and if you want to, you know, and if there are other causes you care about too, we can we have the platform to do that. Um, so for example, with pink, um, she of course wanted to, you know, generally when artists, if artists care about the environment, they also care about a lot of things, uh, or if they care about some issue, they may also care about the environment. Um, so in the case of pink, we, you know, she was already a UNICEF ambassador feeding, you know, she's a mother. So, you know, she was very concerned about feeding uh, hungry children all over the world. And so we brought on UNICEF as a partner in, in the eco village and they could take action there, um, with UNICEF, but we also had other environmental causes that they could plug into as well. So are the promoters sharing in the costs or is this solely an artist's um, cost? You know, with costs, we, because we're a 501c3 nonprofit, we can fundraise in ways that sometimes don't cost 
anybody anything. It's, you know, for example, the bottles that we've done like on Harry Styles tour, for example, actually uh, covered all expenses. Um, and so that was basically fan donations to us as, as a nonprofit, fulfilling our mission to green the tour and engage fans to take action and support organizations. On, in that example, they were, they were all local environmental organizations in each market that were actually handpicked by Harry and his mom. Um, <clears throat> and we were able to bring them into the village, expose them to thousands of Harry's fans every night, and uh, also make a donation to them. So it was a really nice program. Um, other cases, some artists, they don't, they don't, you know, we can also bring in partnerships like, uh, well, now Gene is a partner in that example, but, you know, even Ben and Jerry's and Cliff Bar in the past have been uh, sponsors. Um, but other artists are like, you know what, we, this is how we want to do things. Um, we're going to pay for it ourselves and any money that's brought in through the fundraising, we want it to go to a certain cause of their choice. Gotcha. So for example, on Dave Matthews band, the funds we raised through the rock and refill program with Nalgene with the bottles, um, we raised, uh, we've done this a, a number of times. We've done all sorts of things for, from uh, wildlife conservation, um, like the protecting the rhino. Cause Dave went, uh, to Africa and actually went to a, um, an elephant refuge and, and also a rhinoceros refuge and wanted to protect those animals. So we're like, great, let's, let's raise funds there and send it that way. Uh, other, other, a, a more recent one is, uh, fans have raised funds that we're going to put rooftop solar on low income housing in the band's hometown of Charlottesville. Um, that was the most recent thing we did. So there's all sorts of things that we can do. We really kind of customize it based on the interests and passions of the artists and what we think will work with the fans. So since this outbreak, this pandemic has happened, what do you think it may do to change your business model in regards to how you handle your village? Because, you know, everybody really doesn't want to be in close proximity with one another now. So how do you think that would affect you moving forward? So what we're focusing on now, since we can't be at concerts because they don't exist yet, um, we've moved a lot online, which is something we've We've always done, but obviously now this is all we can do currently. Um, so we've actually had a number of live events uh, on various social media platforms um, for all, all sorts of different things, two in particular that are worth noting. So we, we helped bring music to COVID relief. Um, I strangely play in a weirdo ski band of a bunch of musicians that also like to ski and snowboard. Um, and through that, this campaign uh, arise called Goggles for Docs. It, it was it started with um, somebody in New England who owned actually a couple local ski mountains and a doctor friend out of, of New York City of his. And they were looking for, you know, how do we get the word out about this? Basically, it's a platform where uh, anyone who has ski goggles or mountain biking goggles or motocross goggles can that are used, they can sanitize them and donate them directly to healthcare workers uh, treating COVID patients who need eye protection, because as we know, there's been a, a serious lack of um, protection for these healthcare workers and they're putting their own lives on the line. Um, so we've, uh, through that program, so we have that every Friday, we've been doing that on our Facebook. Um, so you can just go to Facebook um, and look up Reverb there. And we have all sorts of stuff going on there. Um, we've so far, I think over 35,000 goggles have been um um, shipped out to healthcare workers on the front lines through that program. So that's been neat, you know, and we had even some professional skiers involved in there. So we had Michaela Schifrin, who is, you know, the 
I don't know how to, she's won more slalom races than anybody else. And Olympic gold medalist, she came on and spoke about it. And even, she even tried, she not even tried, she succeeded in playing a beautiful song. Uh, and then Katie Tunt still came on and, and played out the rest of the set. And we made that little donation thing there. So that was fun. Uh, we also started something called Reverb's Quarantine Kitchen, uh, where we're having musicians and other notable celebrities come on and share their, their it's like a little ad hoc live cooking show where they're sharing their favorite recipes, ideally sustainable ones. Um, so just, uh, on this past Thursday, Stefan from Dave Matthews band came on and, and, um, Jose Andres, who he's friends with showed him a recipe that he then showed all of us online. Um, and you can check out that episode, uh, reverbs, uh, YouTube page. So you can just go to reverb.org. Slash so those are all pretty much um, vegan options, you say? Right. So far, I mean, we've, we've only done two episodes so far. We just started. So it started with uh, Brian from my band, Guster, who who made, I just was like, man, that recipe you made us when we were writing was so good. Will you make it uh, for the show? And he did. It was a cauliflower soup, which doesn't sound delicious, but it uh-huh. is delicious. Uh-huh. Um, and then and then Stefan made this. Uh, it's He calls it Fonz's Dirty Eggs. Uh, but it's basically a, a Spanish tortilla, um, which is eggs, and he crunches potato chips into it and cheese. It's delicious. Um, no, they don't have to be vegan or vegetarian, but we obviously because we're environmental, we want it to have an environmental sustainable tilt to it. So I know this Thursday will be um, Tyler Stewart of Bare Naked Ladies, who's the drummer and who's hilarious and also a great chef and cook. He really I've eaten his food before. He's incredible. He's going to cook curried root vegetables. So they, yeah, it, so far it's been vegetarian. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that we talk about during the cooking show is, Hey, how do you support farmers? And how do you, you know, there's community supported agriculture in your town right now. And farmers that are normally supported by restaurants are, you know, hurting. So how do we help them directly? And how do we get some farm fresh food as spring is rolling around? So it's weird. Uh, that- clean air souffle <laughs> exactly <laughs> so yeah so we're moving a lot of our stuff online um and we, we've always been there but we, we're obviously focusing on it now so you know if you want to see some of the work we've done we also obviously last week uh, was earth day so we did a bunch of programming around that we did a rainforest trip uh to the peruvian amazon um a little while ago with members of maroon five and dave matthews band and katie tunstall myself as well as a local Peruvian rock band Kanaku El Tigre and we went in it was we shot a documentary it was a powerful trip where we were traveling with indigenous communities and leaders who've been murdered by illegal loggers um, for rare woods for furniture unfortunately also instruments um, musical instruments wood instruments playing are playing a role for the demand of these rare tone woods um, and it's part of this larger campaign we have called No More Bloodwood. And it's similar to the Blood Diamonds where uh, you have a highly a valuable resource that is limited and is um, in countries where the governments aren't cracking down on criminal behavior. And it's they're literally getting away with murder in the Peruvian Amazon while they're slashing ancient old growth forests that we need in place to absorb all the greenhouse gas we're emitting because that's what rainforests do so well. Right. So, I mean, I would say this, um, while we are on the fifth week of this coronation, I mean, sixth week, <clears throat> pardon me, um, Los Angeles has not looked any clearer. Los Angeles is actually beautiful right now. The skies are crystal clear. 
I mean, even though it's hot as a bastard out here right now, but overall, I mean, there's zero smog in the air. Uh, it's just it's just beautiful. This is what everybody comes to California for, just for the the pretty oceans. But you can't visit them right now. We can look at them from afar. But nonetheless, you know the pollution has gone down exponentially over these past six weeks of you know being sheltered in place or pseudo going out to touch the waters a little bit. But the air quality is absolutely incredible out here right now. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Kyle. And I'm hoping more and more people are observing that. And obviously, it'll be our job and other environmental organizations' jobs to point to that and say, hey, look, we're giving the earth a break and it's healing itself. We need to do that more. And how can we refrain? Obviously, um, sheltering in place forever isn't a solution. But it's worth noting, like, look, there is, it, it, it's real. If we stop our activities, we are, we are going to see a benefit. If we can at least limit our activities, we're going to see a benefit. It's funny you say that because uh, I don't know if it was Bill Maher or John Oliver, somebody just the other day made a joke that uh, this is the Earth's way of basically saying, hey, fuck you, people. It's time to take a break because, uh, you know, you're fucking up our program here. And, uh, Apologies for the, the, the language there, but uh, obviously climate change and the impact is is become obvious. They talk about, you know, fish in Venice in the canals for the first time in decades and the clean air in, in New York, not to mention, as, as well as in L.A. and Asian countries where smog is just a terrible, terrible problem. So it's a it's 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 a funny phenomena. Um, Adam, back to. You know, I, I love that this is this is so educational. I, I'm curious if you could tell us, you know, some fun things that have been interactive and engaging that a couple of artists have done so that maybe other artists can get an idea for ways that they can get involved that aren't necessarily, you know, going to a rainforest. Um, I feel like we did, trying to remember... One of the smaller tours that I think we did on CCT, um, Group Love maybe, and the, the, the singer was a painter, and she did like painting exercises with people and, and just ways to engage people and get them thinking different. Can can you give us examples of, of something like that? Janelle Monet, what did she do? She like painted something on stage and gave it away to somebody in the audience each night. Just ways that artists can embrace this in simple ways and make it a part of you know, their, their show, um, their every day, um, on stage to, to reinforce the issue. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I do remember that art that, that was actually with group love, um, where they, where we did an art wall, like almost a, um, yeah, it was like a mural every, every concert with, with the, uh, student activities board and the, and the actual, I think the art department on every campus, which was super cool. It was obviously environmentally themed. Um, and we posted it every night. I think, you know, as an artist, you know, what your audience, you have a certain vibe with your audience and a certain way of interacting. So you have to kind of make it fit with who you are as an artist. Um, so, you know, with group love, we found out that, you know, they, they are artistic. They had, you know, they love to paint. We're like, well, let's do that. Um, with Janelle, um, oh no, I, it was with, um, Iconopop, right. We did, you know, like these are, they were, we, we wanted to celebrate, uh, women and, and women's contributions on campus and, uh, in general, and, and really focus on the strength of women, especially when it comes to social change. Um, you know, 
we, that's a whole other conversation about male versus female contributions and uh, positively and negatively. But I think it's pretty safe to, to say that female contributions are, have generally been more, way more positive than male contributions. Um, so we were doing a lot with that. And that was, again, that made sense coming from them. Um, so it really comes down to what makes sense for you. I, this, this, I will say that, you know, that quarantine kitchen right now has been a blast and been a really cool way. Um, since there's so much, uh, especially, you know, my job at reverb is often to reach out to other artists since I am one. Um, it's so, I've, I've been getting such a positive response from folks saying, Hey, do you like to cook at all? Like, have you been cooking? Like what, anything exciting it could be the simplest thing, even if, you know, it, there are a lot of people that are cooking for the first time. So even if you're new at this, that's even better. Show us. And we've been getting a lot of responses positively, not only from the artists who are like, I'd love to do that because we're not asking them, you know, we're not the eight, 18th person asking them to play an acoustic guitar in front of the camera um, from their, you know, living room. So I think taking a, being creative, taking a new tack, whatever makes sense. You know, I, I think that's why we've been really going at it from this quarantine kitchen piece. Cause it's been, appropriate for the times because everyone seems to be cooking more it's a fun way to you know for those who are just kind of curious as to you know what their favorite musician's kitchen looks like <laughs> or just seeing them do something other than playing their instrument is, is entertaining in and of itself and then of course we're hoping that these recipes are actually useful and and delicious and uh so far we've been successful well delicious is important <laughs> um I love that that you actually just touched on the fact that not all conscious missions, I mean, this seems so obvious, of course, but uh, an artist doesn't necessarily have to embrace an environmental initiative for it to be socially conscious, um, that they can embrace whatever it is that's important to them, that's, that the voice and the platform that they've been given, um, obviously from a sustainability perspective and uh, talking about climate change and all of that environmental issues are front and center, but even an artist that doesn't want to embrace an environmental issue can embrace a socially conscious issue that is relevant to them. Certainly there are artists that do, you know, voter, we did voter registration campaigns. I think we did with one with, with a uh, passion pit some years ago. Uh, I'm trying to remember who else, but yeah, that's you know, right. I remember that one was amazing. They went door to door on campus, right? They is like as a band, they would they knocked on dorm room doors of students, being like, "Hey, we're passionate about if you register to vote." I, I thought that was amazing. It was, and and that was back in the days of uh, MTV Rock the Vote, I believe, sponsored that tour. Um, so the the opportunities abound is is what I'm saying. And for artists going back on the road, we can only hope that they they think this way and and they consider you know, the voice and the platform that they have and, and how they can make best use of it. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that's, you know, important to mention in addition to that is the environment is a social issue. It has all, it, it trickles into all sorts of other issues. Inequality is a huge one. Environmental justice is a huge one. A lot of the problems, if you're talking about access to clean drinking water or where power lines are being put up or what rivers are being poisoned, it, tends to be in the the less affluent parts of town. So that's, you know, that's just one example of environmentalism crossing into other social issues. And more times than not, we're able to connect those dots. Um, for example, uh, Sturgill Simpson, who we, we were on tour with, and obviously we got cut short with him um, recently, 
he is into supporting veterans. Um, but there's plenty of connections between what are we going to war for anyway? What are we fighting for? Oil, most times. Um, there's plenty of ways to connect veterans, for example, to environmental issues. And even turning some of that in, into, even if it's as simple as they served, now how can we serve our communities? Well, we can do things like helping the local environmental organizations, making sure our, our waterways are clean, making sure um, everyone has access to clean drinking water and clean air, um, all those sorts of different ways of connecting the dots between all these social issues. Excellent point. Excellent. Dallas, I believe you had something else you were going to ask. Yeah, I was just uh, like curious about if um, from, you know, the, like the artist or the management might decide that they really want to put this on the tour. Have you had any kind of kick or pushback from production managers who find it challenging to understand one, the word, you know, what it's all about, and two, who might make it difficult for your team to execute what they're trying to do. Do you ever have circumstances like that where that kind of pushback happens or no? And again, because I've been doing this uh, for a long time too, I know that the classic, there's a classic lack of communication between tour management and management. Yeah. And so we, one of the first things we want to do, the second management's open to this and the artist's open to this, is we bring in the folks on the ground because it, it doesn't work otherwise. So absolutely, we want to connect. We connect with tour management and production management. And if they're not into it, then then we don't. We generally s- decide like we probably shouldn't do this. Oh, <laughs> but again, the good news is is we they we make it clear to them that look, we're not putting these are professionals that we'd be putting on the road. Like we know what we're doing. Um, these are experienced folks. We're going to make this easy on you. We just need X, Y, Z. Like just these three things, and we're good. Um, and we can also help in other ways. Like we can help push, you know, other road cases into the truck. Like, and how do we make sure we work with you seamlessly so we're not in your way and that everything times out, you know, conveniently. So, yeah, I know we're very aware of making this is plug and play and as easy as possible on, on staff. The whole reason, from my perspective, you know, I started Reverb, um, to make it easy for artists to go green on tour and to engage their fans. Like that, that was the whole thing from my perspective. And again, from my wife's perspective, the co-founder and co-director, she wants to make this as effective as possible in supporting environmental causes and campaigns and the movement in general. That's great to hear. Well, Adam, you've been awesome. And uh, we do have a few standard questions that we tend to ask all our guests. They can just be quick hits and then we will wrap here. We appreciate your time. Uh, our questions are, what was your first tour? And you can answer, uh, obviously, as an artist or as, as uh, you know, the head of Reverb. Uh, well, Reverb, as I mentioned, the first tour we ever did was in 2004 with Alanis Morissette and Bare Naked Ladies. Um, so that was right when they had, you know, they were doing, they were selling out the amphitheaters around the country. That was very exciting. Um, so that was really fun. We were, we chased that tour in, uh, so Guster moved from a van, you know, that was when we moved from a van to a tour bus. Actually, we moved a few years before that, but we had, so we donated the old Guster van to Reverb and, uh, Lauren and some friends and I joined when I wasn't on tour myself, we just chased the tour in a van <laughs> and, uh, and made things happen out on the road. It was, but we knew we had something cause it was, it, it was reacting. Um, so that was the first tour Reverb did. 
first Guster tour in that same van, we graduated 95 and um, drove out to, we worked our way out to Chicago and played some shows out there because we had a um, a friend slash music person out there that was able to set up some gigs for us. We were, you know, we, we just graduated. We didn't know what we were doing. But I remember that well because it was kind of our first voyage. Nice. And if you could pick just one, do you have a favorite tour? Um, we did this joint tour. That is a tough one. Um, I'm going to switch it to favorite show, which I, you know, all these superlatives, I always have a hard time answering because there's, fortunately, there's a lot of really good memories. Um, but there was a superlative moment that happened recently for my band, Guster. Um, and we actually are releasing, we happen to record it. Um, we did a show. We've done a number of these sympath- uh, symphony gigs, um, starting with the Boston Pops. Um, and we have these great charts now where we can do a full symphonic show. Um, but for whatever reason, the stars aligned beautifully with the Omaha Symphony um, last year. We happened to record it. And I, uh, I actually produced the live um, record of it that we're actually putting out very soon. <laughs> we're just calling it, you know, since it was with the Omaha symphony, we just called it, Oh my God. And that's what the, it's called. But it was one of those moments where honestly the hardest part of it was not to, it, it, we were just emotionally overwhelmed with how beautiful it sounded and the connection, like the crowd, it was just all the stars aligned. Like the crowd was with us. The symphony was perfect. It sounded incredible. We played well and it all just came together. We usually, when you come off stage, you know, someone thinks it was the greatest show ever. Someone else in the band thinks it was the worst. Like we all have different uh, views of what happened that night. We all came off blown. Like we just done, we we're like, what just happened? And we were all, we just all like, we're kind of teary and hugging each other, which never happens. Never. So that was an epic night. So I, that for sure. Very cool. And that was actually my next question in terms of best moment. So I'll move past that. That was a great story. Um, Advice. What's the best advice you've ever got or best advice you'd like to give to, to our listeners? Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, they're loaded questions. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I guess I'm coming at you from the environmental perspective, so I'll do it that way. The advice is just start looking through the lens of your impact on the earth. Um, just even if you start with simply like how much crap do I have plugged in right now that I'm not using that, that, that actually uses energy <laughs> that you don't, that you're not, you, you know, you have your cell phone charger plugged in the wall or whatever it is, but the phone's not plugged into it. You're drawing power. You're wasting money. Um, even something simple like that, you just start down the path and you start looking around and going, Oh, maybe I could do that differently. Maybe that might even save me a buck in the process, which obviously right now is, uh, is important as we all are facing uh, financial uncertainty. I like the simplicity in that answer. Final question. Any shout outs or parting shots you'd like to extend? I just want to thank you all for having me. This is great. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, I will give one interesting, uh, maybe out of the blue shout out to Bonnie Raitt and her manager, Kathy Kane. They really, I didn't, I failed to mention in, in our origin story, they were a huge part of, of getting reverb off the ground. In fact, we were part of their, ARIA Foundation for uh, a number of years in the beginning. Uh, even once we got our own nonprofit status, we decided to stay underneath the ARIA Foundation for a, a long time until it just got too big. 
Um, so they are huge mentors, folks like Bonnie Raitt and, um, Neil Young and Willie Nelson. Like I consider them the grand, the kind of the godparents of this particular type of environmentalism in music where you're not just raising funds and donating them. You're actually being a, a, a working example of how to be sustainable and engaging fans directly to take actions in their own lives. They're really the, the, uh, the godparents of all of that. So I want to give them proper shout out. I definitely appreciate that. I appreciate you joining us. I appreciate your stories, your time. I especially appreciate if I'm being honest, that there are so many younger artists that are getting engaged. I think the next gener generation of artists need to, think more about what they are doing when they take to the road and how they can do it better, be more efficient, be more conscious, and take advantage of the, the platform and the opportunity that they have uh, to make a difference in a, in a positive way. Uh, so thank you again. Thank you to my co-hosts, to our listeners out thank there. You. We remind you, as always, to keep hustling. And uh, we'll see you again soon. Thank you and good night. Good night.